Okay, so <clears throat> welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Bella, and I'm very pleased to have Ruben and Anna in welcoming to Exploring Art Podcast. So what we have here today is a proposition that Handel composed the oratorial Messiah, generally held to be true just in case there was someone, namely Handel, and there was something, namely the oratorial Messiah, and that someone composed that something. So the proposition in question is true. Now, whether the proposition Alexander the Great slew the Minotaur, because the Minotaur is a mythical beast that is one that never loaded, the real Alexander who did exist could not have slain it. So Alexander's the Minotaur is either false, as some philosophers could have it, or neither true nor false, as others would have it, but cannot be true because there was no Minotaur for Alexander to slay. Is the proposition Botticelli's birth of the Venus skips the birth of Venus true, false, or neither true nor false? If we assume that there was ever such an event as the actual birth of Venus, as we safely can, then this proposition would appear to be analogous to Alexander's through the Minotaur. But this proposition, proposition is true. Botticelli, birth of Venus, depicts the birth of Venus. In what ways are the propositions Alexander the Great, so the Minotaur, and Botticelli's birth of Venus depicts the birth of Venus alike? To the only difference that one of them is about an artwork and the other is not, if so, why should that matter? So after reading that, um, I guess I would like to introduce this, the state, or reintroduce this statement, Alexander the Great, so the Minotaur. So if you guys don't know what a Minotaur is, um, deep inside the island of Crete, I believe that's an island off of Greece, uh, one of the Greek islands, there lived a Minotaur, a monster who was half man, half bull. And imprisoned there by his stepfather, king of Minos of Crete, he, he dined on human flesh supplied by the city of Athens. And every nine years, Minos commanded Athens to send 14 youths in tribute. The horrible ride continued until the Athenian hero Theseus came to Crete, entered Lambeth, and slew the beast. So a minotaur, which is a bullheaded man in Minos, that embodies several traits found in the culture of Crete and ancient Minoan civil civilization. Bulls and maize moffets are found throughout Minoan culture, which dominated the Mediterranean from about 3000 BC to about 1100 BC. So that's kind of the history of what a minotaur is. And um, obviously there's no such thing as a half man, half bull, someone who feeds on flesh because one, I don't think, a human would be able to reproduce with a bull and two if it if that creature was half human that would mean that that half human was a cannibal and i don't think it's possible for humans to consistently eat other humans am i right what do you guys think about just the minotaur in general when it comes to the minotaur it's more of a myth like a story or a folk tale that was like told and then it followed through with like greek lore and their mythology and I guess that's where it comes from. I personally don't believe it to be like a real animal, as like you were saying, it's really hard to have a human like actually be born being half human, half bull. There's like no section in science or like in our past history that has shown human like being involved with other animals coming out of, as half breed. So I really find it hard to believe. All right. Anna, do you have any, I guess, like anything to say about the Minotaur? How you feel about it? Well, the Minotaur is obviously, you know, make-believe fictional beast, and I think it's uh, um, used as a way to signify different themes about us as people, you know, internal conflicts. 
the chaos of life and human cruelty because as the myth goes the minotaur itself had no relations with any other people except the tributes that were given to him so he was always ostracized and cast from society and i think it's a way to teach us about how people can de-evolve when left to their own devices without any interactions into the greater like social networks that are around us okay so what i'm hearing you say is that like it kind of the minotaur kind of plays into the general idea of that myths were created not solely for entertainment and not solely for folk tales to pass down for generations but more of us to teach a lesson and kind of show like the true colors behind human nature yes it's more in terms of a fable rather than like a fairy tale okay okay that makes sense so I think now is a good time to introduce what we're going to be comparing the saying Alexander the Great to the Minotaur to. Um, I'm going to introduce the painting, The Birth of Venus. So The Birth of Venus is a painting by the Italian artist Sandro Botticelli. It was made in the 15th century and it depicts the goddess Venus, who is the Greek version of the Roman Aphrodite, or is it the opposite? Is it's the Roman version of the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Okay, so it depicts, this painting depicts Venus arriving at the shore after her birth when she had emerged from the sea fully grown. So what do you guys think about that just in general? So starting off just by like looking at the painting, you see that Venus is nude and that's showing the purity and the beauty that she has as the goddess of love. And I think that's really important to look at just the artist using that aspect to just explain what the goddess is and what she represents. Okay. And Anna? I think there's a lot of different themes going into this painting. I think you also have to know a little bit about the historical background of the artist in order to truly appreciate um, the nuance from which he got his inspiration, which a lot of it does have to do with um, Renaissance humanity. Sorry humanism, which, you know, parted ways from the more religious and Catholic themes of the art at the time and focused more on the reality of human beings, as can be seen in this painting, where, like, it shows her body for who she is. She's not being, like, covered. And it departs from the normal more modest depiction of women which tend to follow the themes of the virgin mary with their hair covered fully closed very unexpressive and i think it's important to take into account when you're analyzing this artwork okay i like that so would you guys agree that like artists were considered to be sort of outcasts of society because let's take into account that the 15th century that was a very or literally up to at least the 20th century Europe, I feel like religion played a huge role throughout Europe and throughout the world. And for this artist to go against religion, to go against the social contract and paint a woman or paint a myth um, without being fully clothed, without their hair covered, like, would you say that that's going against society's morals and values? I wouldn't say necessarily going against society's morals and values because it's just looking at things not necessarily through a Catholic point of view, which is what Europe is majority, uh, their religion majority is. And it's more looking at it through the olden, like 
Roman view of their goddess and trying to see the purity of how they thought their gods would be and trying to open up the aspect to not only looking at things through one point of view, but actually look at things through multiple point of views so you can build up your own perspective. All right, all right. Okay, I actually have another question that you brought that up. Like you brought up a great point, how like, since Europe was predominantly Catholic or Christian or Protestant, whatever branch of Christianity was predominant at that time, um, in Italy also like Roman mythology was very heavily passed down through generation to generation. And in Greece as well, Greece is a heavily, I believe Catholic, if not Catholic Christian country. So like, when did like mythology from like believing in multiple gods with multiple powers, like kind of like scared down to just like monotheism and believing in one God and the birth of religion. Like where did that meet and where did like society like deem that as normal? Well, it came, it came from the beginning with like the birth of Christ. Okay. Okay. To add to that. Um, Europe, mainly Italy started going more into, you know, monotheistic religions when Catholic, Catholic, ah, the Catholic religion overtook, mostly after the Roman Empire fell. And then images such as that of Venus and the other ancient gods, you know, Mars and Neptune were seen as pagan and were usually shunned from society later on and especially into the renaissance you know the 14th 15th century where art was very heavily influenced by religious propaganda and images all right okay that makes sense that makes sense um I think now I kind of want to ask so we kind of know like the background of the painting, we know the background of the artist, but like, let's talk about the actual painting and what the event of the paintings or painting and statements, Alexander the Great to the Minotaur are based off of. Do, are those events true? Are those events neither true or false? And how so? Okay. Um, with Alexander the Great slew the Minotaur, obviously those events are false because there is neither a painting or an expression for that because uh, um, historical paintings are usually Theseus slew the Minotaur. So that one is, can be considered to be completely false as there is no <laughs> um, basis for it. But when you look at the birth of Venus, you have that, at least in my opinion it would be neither true nor false because it's false in that venus is um considered a mythical being but it can be true in the themes and what it symbolizes and represents not just in like the actual reality concrete of it okay ruben do you have anything to add to that yeah, I totally agree where it's neither true nor false, because since Venus is a mythological goddess, she's not necessarily real in their like physical existence. But the painting itself can have different themes, like Anna mentioned, that can definitely symbolize different themes that want to be expressed from the artist, not necessarily about the actual physical birth of Venus, but what it stands for. Yeah, I think... 
those answers are really similar and it relates to, I guess, the topic of expression and why artists use expression because expression is something that artists use to help, I guess, their audience themselves and people in general understand different emotions and different feelings. So I think that although those events never happened, those events kind of help the artists express a symbolism in some sort of way, express a state of mind, express what society felt in that moment during that time. Because I do think that art helps tell history in a significant way because art, folk tales, stories, real, make-believe, scientific fiction, nonfiction, they all have to do with society and society consistently builds up history and passes down culture like that from generation to generation. So how do you guys feel about the act of expression and its relation to art? Do you think it's the most effective way to express feelings and emotions? I personally believe art can be used to express multiple feelings and art's very general. It doesn't have to do necessarily with physical paintings. Art can be music, art can be creation art can be anything that like really brings you joy and ties in something really what you love that's the way I necessarily see it and I really think you can express your feelings and relate to other people that you not necessarily could before just through music or art and just appreciation for these types of things it's just a deeper understanding and deeper connections you can gain with people I agree yes I agree as well I also think that art is a very useful tool in realizing one's expressions, not only understanding the artist's emotions and what they're trying to convey through their art, but also the uh, feelings and expressions that you get from either watching or listening to their art and what it means to you. It's also very important to um, understand that art, the imitation theory of art, which states that art is imitating reality and it imitates those feelings that either the artist has and wants to try to share and express with the audience or the feelings that the artist is trying to convey not from themselves but of an event that happened to somebody else and is trying to convey to the audience or the the wider public okay Okay, so as we're on the topic of feelings and emotions, I want to bring the conversation back to the birth of Venus because we did talk about the symbolism behind the painting, kind of what the painting meant and how we as the audience view the painting. But how do you guys think that the artists viewed the painting? What emotions or feelings did you guys think that um, Botticelli put into that painting? Um, in terms of what the artist thought, I, I really think that he was going more for a model of love and passion and birth and fertility and all the themes that were um, associated with the, sorry, with the Greek goddess Aphrodite, which Venus is originally modeled after. And you can even tell the similarities because the actual painting he actually did use an aphrodite statue to model it after and you can really see it through the works with the more solid um darker lines that are on the outside 
of her body that model and making it look more like actual marble which the statue is made from okay Ruben. yeah i think the that the artist himself didn't necessarily believe that it was real but he did just try to emphasize on the beauty of venus in the center and then he's kind of showing two sides of i guess the time period he was in with on one side he has a woman fully clothed bringing a piece of cloth to dress venus while on the other side we have uh what looks like to be either angels or another god and goddess flying on the left hand side of venus so it's kind of showing the difference between like the roman times and like their beliefs and then the renaissance and the time period that the painting was actually depicted so i guess it's a way of expressing his like feelings towards that time not necessarily that one's real and one's not it's just it's part of different cultural time periods what is just accepted to be believed. I love that you brought that up because as I'm looking at the painting right now, like I can see that since Venus has no clothing, there are people literally from every side coming to clothe her because they might view that as provocative or against like anti-ergon, anti-pure. So my next question is like, like paintings like this and paintings that are similar to this painting where there are pictures of women who are not clothed. Do you think that society during this era like reacted ne negatively to these paintings or do you think they were more understanding of the author author's emotions and feelings? Um, I think that, oh, go ahead, Anna. Okay. Um, I do believe that they would react more negatively towards it because at this time period, especially, you know, like Italy was heavily Catholic and the nudity, the nudity of women showed to be more paganistic themes that went against, you know, the Catholic religious model of, like, fully clothed, very modest women. Yeah, and also, like, again, as I'm looking closer in the painting, I see flowers in the background. And if I'm not mistaken, flowers represent virginity, right? Purity. 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 Okay. Ruben, would you like to add on to that? Um, just my thoughts on it uh, specifically were that um, uh, honestly that uh, I lost my train of thought. I, <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. No, it's okay. Like we were both on the same page that like there were, there were literally people running to clothe Venus. Like um, I think that the author. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. Sorry to cut you off that. Yeah, at this time, like the nudity was definitely seen as a, in a more negative light. And I think now looking back at the painting, not necessarily with uh, hindsight, but just in a different cultural era, once again, that we can look at this painting in a different point of view and not necessarily negative or in a positive light and just appreciate the painting for what it is and what it's trying to represent in the time, like the birth and beauty of Venus, like and just the time period that it was painted and showing a little bit of the Renaissance and showing a little bit of the Roman mythology logical side okay so with that being said um how do you guys think that the art has shifted from let's say the 15th century to now as being the 21st century what have you guys like seen as like kind of a drastic change because i know that like throughout the years of us being in school like the u.s education system has time like time after time introduced paintings mostly from like way way back then but I feel like now 
us as students, we rarely see paintings from the present time. I know me personally, like I have been to art museums and I feel like now paintings are less about human beings or less about human like figures and more about objects. Um, how do you guys think, or what do you guys think about the shift from paintings being from human objects, I guess? Personally, I don't think paintings necessarily have to be about humans. I think now art is more of like, it is what it is. It's not necessarily strict on, oh, it has to be about a person or it has to be about an event. It's just, you try to put your expressions like we were talking about or emotions into your work and try and get to see if your audience can feel the same way or if you're trying to get your audience to feel a certain way after your work of art and they see it and appreciate certain things differently. I think that's what art is now, instead of just recording an event or recording people or putting just a thought or a picture onto a painting. I think it has much more to do with emotions nowadays or like different messages. Okay, my last question for today's podcast is, do you think that what we're doing right now is considered art? Like the three of us here are, we're engaging in a podcast, we're engaging in sharing our thoughts, we're sharing our emotions, we're sharing our perspectives. Would you guys consider this art? It all depends because art is subjective. Uh-huh. So what you might think is art doesn't necessarily mean it's art for somebody else. But then again, if it is a form of expression and it is a form to, you know, for someone to express their emotions and their beliefs, whether it be auditory or visually, it is a way to express creativity. So in a way you could say that, yes, it is considered to be art. Okay. And Ruben, would you like to... Honestly, Anna hit it right on the head. Like art is definitely a variable from person to person. And I myself see a podcast as art because I listen to them all the time. And I really appreciate how much emotion the people I listen to put into their podcast. So I imagine there's definitely people listening to this that will appreciate it just as much. And I really don't think there's any reason to say this wouldn't be art. All right. So thank you. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Anna, Ruben, and I really appreciate it. And this is going to conclude our Exploring Art podcast. Please subscribe to Exploring Art podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious.